This is the We Spin Recipes podcast with Andrew Apanov. Hello everyone, Andrew Apanov here and you're listening to a new edition of the We Spin Recipes podcast. Today's guest on the show is Jay Coyle, who is the founder of Music Geek Services, uh, a Berkeley online instructor, uh, someone who has worked with dozens of bands over the years as a music business and marketing professional. He worked at the likes of EMI Nashville and uh, he's an incredible specialist at building a direct-to-fan and successful business model for musicians. And this all is something you are going to learn right on this episode. What you are also going to learn is that Jay recently created a course for an educational platform called Soundfly called crowdfunding for musicians. So here we are going to cover quite a bit of uh, the topic of crowdfunding and uh, you will see the unique approach to crowdfunding that Jay has and uh, to him it's not as much about uh, just uh, raising funds for uh, a project so it's not thinking of crowdfunding as a bank but rather as a way to build uh, a business around your music act and to establish relationships with your fans. It's quite inspiring, uh, practical, useful, so I hope that you will uh, find this conversation interesting and if you're interested in uh, checking out the whole course on Soundfly, uh, you can sign up with our coupon code as a, as a Wispin listener. It's Wispin20 all capital letters and you can also find the link to uh, the course and this coupon code in the show notes at wispin.co forward slash WSR84. If you have any questions, as usual, ask us on iTunes, SoundCloud. Uh, Jay also mentions towards the end of the show that uh, you can contact him directly uh, via the contact form on his uh, website at Music Geek Services. So yeah, here we go. Enjoy our chat with Jay Coyle. Hello to Whispering Recipes. I'm very excited to welcome you to the podcast. And yeah, so welcome and uh, let me know what you've been up to lately. Sure. Well, thank you so much. I'm excited to be on the podcast, Andrew. And also, more importantly, I've, I get your emails and I've kind of made it a point since I started this venture back in 2009 to, to keep abreast of people that I would call kind of compatriots or, or people that are of like mind. So what's cool is here I am based out of Franklin, Tennessee, which is just south of Nashville. You're all, all the way on the other side of the world. And, and yet there's you know people kind of planted and seeded, if you will, internationally. And, and in, in a dream world, there'd be some type of way for all of us to, to constantly check in with each other and, and maybe being on each other's podcasts or, or chatting to each other you know, on, on a regular basis is the way to do it. But thanks so much for, for having me. And, and to your question, what I've been up to, gosh, you know, it's comical being an entrepreneur and, and being somebody who I was explaining this to a new friend yesterday. I said, to describe what I do is comical because at the core of it, you know, what I've been up to is what I've always done, which is I obsess about music. I'm a super fan of so many bands, but then I'm a super fan of the new model in which bands can kind of, you know, chart their own course, the ways that yeah. bands can directly communicate with their fans. And, and for some of my clients, the ways that we can kind of redefine the success of the past, as I would say, plug into the old model and kind of challenge ourselves as a team internally. What do we want to do creatively and how does that connect to the business? 
And when does that conflict? And if it conflicts, which way do we want to kind of go? So what I've been up to is a lot of discussions with a lot of, not a lot, but a handful of artists, some that I haven't spoken to before and some that I've been working with for years and kind of, you know, talking to them about artistically, what does 2017 look like? What does it look like a business? And sometimes it's a, sometimes it's a real hard challenge to have an artist define what they want to do because sometimes, you know, artists don't think in terms of business while other times I'm talking to them and it's very much business minded. And I feel that I have to actually interject some of the fandom into them and say, Hey, don't, Hmm. don't forget you have fans and they would probably really like this or that. And, you know, so what I've been up to is just, it's December, you know, kind of traditionally has been structured that I wind down a bunch of stuff. I'm not touring because I tour with the band like every other year. And it's kind of like, what is 2017 going to be? And truthfully, Andrew, I think there's a lot of little fear that comes in in December. It's kind of like, oh no, what's 2017 going to look like? Or what's the next year going to look like? Because I am my own boss and there's no paycheck coming in unless I'm doing something. So, you know, that's a challenge. Yeah, but, but yeah, so it's, it's, it's so, a really good yeah. time. Among these conversations that you, you've been having lately, any particular themes that's come up more than others in terms of what's to come for 2017, even well, yeah. if in short? Yeah, I mean, basically, you know, my company, Music Geek Services, I started it in 2009. And my whole, my whole reason for starting it was literally I lost a job. So I lost a job in the record label business. And when I lost that kind of traditional record label job, I was sitting there kind of, you know, with my toys in the corner going, well, no one wants to play with me. I was just ejected by a, a major label. And it took like literally a week. And I was like, no, what I want to do is work for artists that want to really as I said, chart their own course and kind of create their own path because I knew in 2009 the world had changed. This is before, you know, streaming had really taken off. And more importantly, it was just at the at the start of the direct-to-fan kind of, you know, for lack of a better term, the revolution that was coming with Topspin and, and with Pledge launching. I saw it as kind of this sea change. And and I was the first on the first on the the train to, to go to Topspin and Ian Rogers and I pleaded him to let me you know, hey, I know I don't work for you guys, but I need to be trained on this platform. And I really want to work on this because I already had two different bands that I was talking to, one of which I was a consultant with on another level, but I knew that that's what I wanted to do. So the conversation has evolved. And most recently, just yesterday with a client, someone I've worked in the kind of strategy and direct to fan space for four years, I worked directly with her manager, and mm-hmm. the three of us sat down. So artist manager and myself, and it was kind of like, okay, it was the struggle of, as the last time she released a, a label, oh, pardon me, the last time she released an album, she did not have a label and she did it herself. And it was, we used Topspin and it was direct to fan. And this was, you know, this was probably four years ago, right when we started working together. And that's why she hired me. But now it's, it's at the point where four years has transpired. Topspin has kind of gone to the wayside. You know, the other toolkit that I've been using is as of recent as a direct to fan mechanism has been Pledge Music. But it was just it was just a conversation of, OK, what do you want to do artistically? And then the hard challenge was then really marry the business with the creativity, because literally and I'm and right now, I'm currently holding my hands up because the manager was to my left and the artist was to my right. And the left hand was all business and the right hand was all artistic. And it was really trying to come between the two. And they weren't at odds with each other. It was truly just two sides of the coin. Right. Yeah. So it, it was really just a conversation. And by no means did we get to the end of it in an hour and a half chat. It was, okay, let's go away for a couple of days and let me kind of percolate because they come to me as a strategist and say, how can we best 
realize our ideals for 2017. And, and it runs the gamut of looking at, is there a label possibility? Is there a distributor possibility? Do you want to truly do this as an independent release and do it underneath your own label? And these are this is where I find myself with all my clients is it, it really starts with an overarching goal of, okay, what body of work do you want to release? What does that look like? Is it an EP? Is it an album? Is it a reissue? Is it an archival release? You know, all, all these questions. And then, okay, great. And then what are the other facets of the business are we going to talk about? Meaning, are you going to tour behind this? You know, what else can we do that's not just reliant on the physical or the digital sale of music? What else can we do to extend, for lack of a better term, the brand around that? And what is mm-hmm. our goal? So it's, just, it, it's fun because since I started, I've never really fit into a, a set role. And what I mean by that is a lot of times people are, are asking, okay, so Music Geek Services, so what exactly do you do? And I have to define that I really do whatever the clients need because I can go from something simple as I'm truly just here to consult on a direct-to-fan level on the one side to all the way on the other spectrum where I'm actually part of a management team or I am the manager for a band and I'm talking, you know, entrepreneurial business strategy. And so in that sense, it is a very different conversation when I try to speak to people that work for entities that have clearly defined roles. And sometimes I have to be cautious that, A, they don't think I'm trying to, you know, poach a client or or take some business away. I always have to say, no, 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 look, if you're already, a ma- I had this conversation several years ago with a manager of a band and, and he was very threatened by the fact that the band reached out to me and, you know, it was an uncomfortable situation to be in, but I had to, had to stop and say, look, I'm a fan of this band. We have mutual friends. The band contacted me for my feedback on a certain thing they're going towards that you as the manager had told them to do. So they were just doing what you had told them to do. And as far as you and I go, Mr. Manager, I'm not here to take anyone's business away. Yes, I manage some acts and yes, I'm part of a management team, but I'm not being pursued for that. So, you know, I'm here to, to help the band in, in whatever capacity I can. And in that situation, you know, my, my strategy didn't align with what they wanted to do. So it didn't, it didn't end moving forward. But, but it is that weird situation where I have to always, I used to be afraid of that conversation at first because I was trying desperately to, you know, kind of prove myself to these to these managers or to these firms, but I quickly realized it's like, well, I hate to say this in a crass way, but I don't need to prove myself to them. I, I need to prove myself to the fans that are ultimately my customers of the bands that I ultimately want to have as my clients. And if I can think like a fan and, and strategize on that level, then it's an easier sell, if you will, to kind of go back to the artist and say, okay, this is what this is what I would want from you from a fan, or this is my this is what I'm getting from my research and from my time around you in the fan community of, of what I think you could do. And then the fun part is having the business background and having worked at a label and having managed artists and having a life outside of the music business, I can kind of come from a business perspective and then speak the you know true language of a manager and say, okay, well, here's where it can go from a business perspective. And this is what it means financially. And hopefully diffuse concern about you know the sky falling or the bottom falling out of the recorded industry and the fact that you can navigate that. And, and that's always fun too, because some managers are definitely fearful of the new paradigm of streaming, whereas others yeah. see it as, as a great opportunity. And it's just, you know, on which day am I catching this person? So <laughs> never, never a dull True. Move. Yeah, I know. I know what you mean. It's interesting. So you are basically feeling a completely new role here. And uh, I understand that. And uh, I appreciate that you shared some, some background and context 
regarding what you do at Music mm-hmm. Geek Services. So it's interesting. It's like a mix of different things. And you, as from what I understand, become a part of uh, a band or an artist team. And mm-hmm. you can work alongside a manager. Or do you ever work with uh, other marketing agencies serving an artist? Just curious. It's funny. I, I have, actually. I was When I was project managing for a band, for Jars of Clay, a band based out of here in, in Nashville, and the job that I was hired for them was kind of project management for a release, more so on the digital strategy side. And during the, the time that I worked with them, one of the avenues, we, we linked up with the distributor who then the team basically said, hey, let's go ahead and hire a true digital marketing entity. And we went after somebody that truly would know how to handle kind of retargeting and that the whole online space in terms of true advertising and, and, yeah. and marketing to that. So a hybrid of advertising spend and marketing strategy. And, and that was great because, you know, because I said earlier, I kind of run the gamut of things that I do. I would never not be a team player. And I was very direct with the guys and said, look, if we want to have a true advertising spend, we need to hire this marketing entity that offers that. But also I've never, I've never, you know, offered, or I should say, I've never portrayed myself to be some some really talented, focused person on retargeting. That's just not my strength. So it was great to, to partner with somebody and do that. It's very important for us in, in the business to be to be open to these kinds of partnerships. It's uh, thinking outside of the traditional uh, model of, uh, mm-hmm. of a team with a lawyer and uh, with an attorney and booking manager and, and a manager or something like that. It's It can be much more complex and they want our listeners to think about yeah. how to extend their teams the way yeah. that works for them. So sometimes it can be a bit in a bit unusual way. And I really like when different parties communicate with each other. Sometimes there is a there is an artist who we serve uh, as, as an agency, as a marketing agency, who, uh, who also hires a, a publicist, which we right. uh, which we love because we don't deliver PR services right now. And we want to do more with uh, the publicist directly because it just makes a lot of sense to coordinate our efforts. But Sometimes it works out really well, but sometimes more kind of, I don't know, traditionally thinking PR agency possibly uh, doesn't want to communicate too much. So I want, this goes back to what you mentioned at the beginning of the conversation. Like we started our own ventures approximately the same time. Uh, It was also 2009 for me, all for the agencies from 2012. And uh I've been following what you've been doing for many years, and this is the first time we have a Skype call hmm. with you. Although, I mean, it would be good to communicate. Like, we know all the names in the oh, sure. educational yeah. space. It's yeah. just like we're subscribed to the newsletters, we listen right. to the podcasts, read the blogs. But yeah, it's, th- there is some work to be done in that area. And overall, I think that different parties, serving musicians, should be working together a little bit better sometimes. And it's great that you do a lot of that already and work with, uh, just as you mentioned, with managers and uh, we, we, as part of Ben's teams. Uh, I think it makes sense. Uh, while we are on that, so uh, who may want to contact you? So if there is someone listening to us right now. I would say, you know, a question I get asked a lot. In fact, I had a meeting last week, an exploratory meeting with with a manager slash PR person. And she said, well, would you ever work with a baby band, someone who hasn't even really started their career? And traditionally, in my experience, I've worked with established bands and mostly bands of 
bands that have had success or been part of, as I dubbed the, you know, the old business model where they were signed to a label and literally just didn't, didn't think about the production or the distribution of their album. It was, they left that to the label. So usually I'm dealing with bands that have experience in releasing music through labels and now they've lost their deal or they've purposely separated themselves from that deal. And now they want to forge kind of their own label or figure out what's the best path or options for them. So in that sense, my traditional and kind of what I've always seen as my niche has been a band that's been around for probably, you know, 10 years or more and wants to navigate their own career and understand the direct-to-fan or just the new kind of paradigm in which you can transact and operate a business, if you will, um, that doesn't look traditional as it once did. But I am finding through having been a teacher for Berkeley College of Music for Music Marketing 101 and, and Music Business Trends and Strategies, and actually now two other different teaching opportunities, I feel that my, my mission is to kind of educate and empower the future versions of myself, like to find people that want to help others. And sometimes it turns into helping a band manage or at least project manage themselves. So, you know, I used, like I said, if you had, if you'd asked me like a year ago, I would say traditionally, you know, a band of 10 years or more tenure who was on a label or had some releases come through labels and now trying to understand how their business can evolve holistically, not just recorded music. But I would also add to that just really anybody that has a desire to serve their artistry slash business or somebody else's can be a client because I've done, mm -hmm. I've done, I've done mentoring slash coaching classes one-on-one -on -one with people that have hired me. And it's truly just, you know, Hey, I want to do what you do. And here's three clients that I'm working on. Can you offer me your input on their business? So there's a guy here in town actually, who is a producer slash record label slash manager. And he and I, it seems like once a year, he calls me out of the blue and it's, Hey dude, I need your help. What and here? Look at these three artists and give me your strategy. So he hires me for strategy for that. And he's transparent to the artist that, Hey, I'm going to call my friend Jay and he's going to kind of tell us what he thinks would be good. And in the past, sometimes that's just been it. And other times it's been, okay, great. Now I want you to execute that because he's too busy to do the actual work sometimes. So it really, you know, the comical thing is in our business, I think, mm -hmm in a consultative world and because i am a contracted employee for these people you know a gun for hire so to speak it really doesn't doesn't fit into a set mold and i'm i'm not okay with that as long as there's a very candid conversation about expectations on the front end and you know what they want to get out of it and to that point i, I the only time i ever feel that i have to turn down business is twice it is with two kind of versions one would be somebody who doesn't really know what they want Mm -hmm. Because if, if the artist or the manager or whatever business person is approaching me doesn't know what they want, then I can tell you right now I won't be able to offer them or meet their expectations because they don't have an understanding of what their expectations are. So, and that's, I wouldn't say that's a hard thing to pinpoint, but it's through question and answer session, pretty easy to say, wow, you really don't know what you want. So, hey, why don't you go back and figure that out before we try to figure out how I can help you. And I can pinpoint two projects that literally took over two years to percolate because both times we had those meetings, two different groups of two different artists that I met groups, mm -hmm. they both didn't know what they wanted. And it would, it took two years for one and two and a half years for the other. And finally, when they're ready, you know, God bless them. They, because of relationships, they reached out to me and said, Hey, we know what we want now and let's figure out how we can work together. So that was great. And then the other thing would be if someone just, it doesn't, they don't have the same, they don't have the same ideology in the sense that they're looking for kind of false 
hopes or, or they're chasing a, a false reality, meaning I need, yeah. I need to make X amount of dollars from this mm-hmm. album or, you know, it's in a field such as hip hop or jazz that I've never worked in. And, you know, we kind of try to talk about it and, and we're just not, we're not connecting because their goals don't meet what I'm used to, or for that matter, what I think is realistic, like I said. So that kind of duality there. But other than that, you know, I've always enjoyed, for lack of a better term, teaching people. So I am a huge proponent to when people contact me and if they want to hire me, sometimes it's just, you know what, why don't we just have a strategy session, a one-hour strategy session, because I might be able to teach you how to fish or at least give you a game plan for yourself that I would then not want you to hire me to do that because mm-hmm. you can do a lot of this on your own if you're at a certain level. But then if I start talking to you, and I've had the situation where I'm meeting with an artist and it was like, wow, you really, you need somebody to manage this process. And then it's like, let me be that person, like evolve from a strategy to a, and, and just a kind of a candid conversation to, wow, I see, I can see that this can go to this place. Would you want that? Yeah. Well then let's figure out how this can work together as a team because I really see the vision for this and I want to be the guy that does it for you. And that, that, you know, I, at the heart of it, I'm a, like I said, I'm a total music fan and super fan of so many bands that when I talk to a band that I'm genuinely a fan of, Mm -hmm. I get, I get very, very passionate because I know what I'd want to see from the other side. And more importantly, having done this since 2009, every day, I can see the benefits for the artists when they execute on ideas that I can offer them from the perspective of a, of a fan. And to build a business as I've done for the band Sloan that I started working with in 2009, they were pretty much the, they were pretty much the kind of trophy of me to say, this is what music geek services can do because everything that we threw at the wall, it was, even though we didn't succeed on everything, it was still an avenue in exploration. Can this work? How does this work? you know, re-engineering the way that they do their business, figuring out a new model for them, becoming part of the management team, really investing in them and their career really was allowed me, it was my MBA in kind of project management slash artist management in this new paradigm. And that's a, a great feeling and success story. So I can meet with somebody and say, look, I know you don't have 25 years in the, in the business and you're not, uh, you know, a strong radio band in Canada, such as Sloan, but this is some things that I've learned from that experience. And this is some of the things that I've executed. So that meeting yesterday with the artist, you know, the, the manager was like, wow, I've never pressed my own vinyl. I've, you know, I've made my own CD, but I've never figured out how to, what to do with it after I pressed it. And I've just sent it to the distributor. So it's been conversations to say, well, I've done all that. So let's figure out what makes sense for you. But it's not, you know, as you know, it's just every single day and every single client's going to have a different set of needs and, Absolutely. and objectives. So yeah. That's great stuff. Uh, so it, it gives some proper, once again, context to what you do. And at the same time, the stuff that you just shared may prepare some of our artists to conversations with professionals like yourself, even if it's a manager or a record label, because mm-hmm. you you need to have some understanding on what you need, some have realistic expectations. And so, yeah, these are some, I hope that what you've been mentioning so far will you know, help some of our listeners to to ask the right questions, ask themselves in the first place, um, right? Are the right questions? And yeah, so the the fact that you've been working with uh, some established bands, I can imagine uh, gave you opportunities to help them establish some interesting business models. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you don't mind, I would like to talk about a particular model. 
which is quite exciting and works really well for an act with some kind of traction and an audience, which is crowdfunding. Mm -hmm. And especially since, and I believe you haven't mentioned that on this chat yet, you've just created essentially a course on yes. dedicated to crowdfunding. So yeah. if you words on that, just sure, on, yeah. on, on what it is. Yeah, absolutely. I'm very excited. Uh, thanks for asking about that. Through my teaching at Berkeley and my brother, Chandler Coyle, who also is an instructor at Berkeley, he has a, a newsletter called the, the Coyle Report. And I'm kind of the, the man, I'm kind of part of strategy behind that, not truly an execution. He pretty much runs that. But through that kind of lifeline and, and not, not unlike the way that you and I think alike, you know, we're both very passionate about serving, like I said, the, the artist and, and serving their fan bases and more importantly, giving them a, a structure and how to, to succeed as a business. So through that, these guys at Soundfly reached out to Chandler and said, hey, would you be interested, interested in creating some course for us? And my brother actually kind of hit me and said, look, this is, this is the time is right. Someone needs to think about crowdfunding the way that you do. Maybe you should talk to him. So I connected with Ian and Jeremy over at Soundfly and we hit it off famously. Great guys. Totally believe in serving and educating the indie musician. Yeah. So we kind of had a powwow and I said, look, here's, I want to be very upfront. My view on crowdfunding is not your typical view. And the best way to describe it is I look at crowdfunding as a direct-to-fan model. So as I spoke about earlier using Topspin, you know, Topspin was kind of the pre- the premier version of how to bring your business directly to your fans. And Ian Rogers famously was a great voice for that generation. And, and I really believed in what they're doing. And sadly, you know, through changes in the business and changes in the way they, they did, they kind of the industry. <laughs> yeah, they just they just kind of changed. But that's okay. But but what I saw was meeting Benji Rogers at South by Southwest after having a phone conversation with he and his co-founder Jace Barden. Uh, the three of us sat down in a breakfast meeting, I guess it's been four years now, and it was one of those meetings where I was just turned off from the concept of Kickstarter and Indiegogo and Pledge. It was like, you're asking for people to pay for things. I don't want my artists to beg. It just feels wrong. And he and I mm -hmm. sat down and adore the guy. He and Jace, are, we're all cut from the same cloth. We're very passionate people. We love music. We're all musicians. And like 30 minutes into it, I stopped and I'm like, dude, you're saying the exact same things I am, but you're using different words. And I need, it was like a wake-up call to me. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to say Pledge is a crowdfunding platform anymore. I'm going to say it's direct-to-fan. He said, Jay, that's what I say. I say Pledge is a direct-to-fan platform. And I'm like, oh my gosh, okay. And it really changed the attitude that I had for the whole quote-unquote crowdfunding business so that when Jeremy and Ian from Soundfly and I talked, I said, the way to structure this class, crowdfunding for musicians, on Soundfly, is not to do it from a perspective of how much money you can make as a band, but as I teach, how can I empower the artist to think like a business and therefore utilize this really powerful tool that is a fan engagement and a direct-to-fan mechanism to then determine how to operate their business? And I know that sounds very jargony, but it, at the root of it, it was just having artists not see it as a bank but see it as an opportunity to build a business. And that is the way that I created this course was, hey, let's educate bands and artists to think like entrepreneurs, to think like little businesses. And this is going to be their opportunity to release an album or go on tour or do something creative that they want to and figure out the mechanism in which they can execute that as long as it comes to budgeting and planning for you know finances, both 
to produce or to execute something, but then also profitability, because obviously everybody needs to make money to live. But it was also a great tool for, for an artist to understand their business and their fans. And that goes back to the Sloan conversation I had was in 2009 to now 2016, we have built a structure for the business that is one that now I understand intimately. And I understand what our monthly, as we call it, the, you know, the monthly nut that we have to cover for the expenses of the salaried employees of that entity. And now we know when we want to release something, because we have a backlog of stuff we want to release, what is our expendable money that we have? What is our disposable income, technically, that, that we can use to to release the next thing and what do we need to set it at and what's our profitability and then you know what are the other attributes of that plan can we execute that will also be profitable so that maybe we don't make tons of money on releasing that record but there's a tour that will go on that will be able to you know further that thing and mm-hmm. so these are this is all the mindset that I brought to the course and I know you had said earlier that you had seen some of the videos Correct. for that and you know it was a great it was almost catharsis i mean it was like i finally get to be on camera and I finally get to kind of show my passion, but more importantly, instruct and do things that I do already in my classes. But I feel within the walls of the classes that I have at Berkeley, you know, these are students that are either Berkeley students or they're kind of, you know, looking for an opportunity. And I, I see Soundfly going after even a different avenue, even much more kind of, for lack of a better term, much more entrepreneurial focused and much more independent. And I adore my Berkeley teaching, don't get me wrong. I just felt it served a different customer base. And I found because it was really focusing in on the crowdfunding mentality, it allowed me to have my own Jay and Benji and Jace conversation with you know hundreds of hundreds, if, if not more, industry people that could say, oh, you're right, crowdfunding isn't begging. And crowdfunding isn't just a bank. It is a direct-to-fan, fan engagement tool. And so it's really exciting. And I hope that people that are being exposed to it, or maybe this podcast will expose them to it, you know, they'll check it out and they'll, they can see that there is more to this thing that, that everybody talks about. Crowdfunding, yeah. Kickstarter, you know, all these other opportunities. Yeah. And, and I, I can t- tell everyone who, who's yet to check it out and or who's interested that it's uh, really well produced. And uh, I mean, the videos are really engaging. You share lots of amazing stuff in there and uh, it's indeed much more than just to talk about crowdfunding you ex- essentially explain the whole direct-to-fan approach it's right. not just uh, raising funds for something it may not even be the goal I've, we've all seen so many amazing crowdfunding campaigns successfully funded but where the creators uh, didn't really earn anything it was more about exposure and uh, executing something so it wasn't just a way to earn money usually like uh, and, and this is the problem that i see among artists who haven't ever run crowdfunding campaigns they don't realize how much it how much afford and energy and investments of different kind it requires to run a proper campaign because once again it goes beyond just a one month kickstarter thing yeah. I also fully agree about pledge music. I just realized that almost exactly two years ago, we had uh, a podcast episode with Benji Rogers talking about <laughs> pledge music. It was released on November 30th of oh, 2013. And it was, yeah, it was also, uh, it, we, we talked quite a bit about how it's different from, how pledge music is different from kickstarting Indiegogo and so right. on. And I know that you talk about that in the course. Really mm-hmm. great that you explained that very clearly. And yeah. uh, it should be also clear for a participant, for anyone who enrolls into the course. 
what may be the best platform for them. I, I would yeah. say that, that that was actually, it's funny you mentioned that, that was one of the hesitations uh, when I was talking to the guys at Soundfly. So look, I predominantly utilize Pledge, but that kind of goes back to I'm working with bands that have been 10, 20, 15 years you know, into their careers. They either know who their fans are and they've got a direct conversation with them already going or the challenge for some of my clients has been, well, we've been inactive for 10 years and we don't know who, where our fans are. So part of my is a pre-strategy. And we go into that in the course about how to, how to ensure when it's ready to do it. But I was very hesitant to not make this a pledge music course overtly because you know, some of the features and benefits that I bring to a team is how to think like a business and how to think strategically. And it's not just the bank. So the nice thing is I find in this course is I structured it so much so that it wasn't just a, oh, here comes Jay Coyle, who predominantly does pledge music campaigns. It's like, no, no, here's a guy that consults in direct fan and fan engagement that utilizes a crowdfunding platform that just happens to be pledge versus, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I have spoken to many a student, you know, a lot of my students from Berkeley have said, hey, I did Indiegogo and I, or I'm, I'm looking at something to do and I'm thinking I'm going to go down Kickstarter route. By no means would I ever disparage them from doing those. And, and it's very clear that, you know, it depends on who you are as an artist. It depends on your business model and what you're looking to get out of it. But the beautiful thing is, and, and this came from a direct feedback from a client of mine who's currently inactive, but, you know, she said, so what you're telling me then is if you were, if you're going to consult with us, you're just going to have us do pledge music campaigns every year. And I was like, no, there's nothing further from the truth. It just makes sense for you to do a crowdfunding campaign on pledge right now, because you don't know who your fans are. I should say you truly don't have a way to connect with your fans because you've never built an email list. And yes, you're very active on Facebook, but you have no data to really pull from and, and you've never tried to sell something directly to them. So you don't know what they want from you. So you haven't built the marketing feedback loop. So to that question, dear artist, the reality is, yes, we're going to start with this, but that's not my business plan for you for the future. But like I always go back to the Sloan model, we needed to launch something direct to fan the first time out the gate to understand what our fans wanted. And actually what's ironic is the first thing we launched was a digital only EP and since then, we have relied strategically on physical vinyl. So vinyl's been the thing that we've really landed on that the fans want. It's been very profitable for us, but we've built that into a business model for us. And like I said, comically, we started it with a direct-to-fan digital-only EP. So we wasn't that, and that wasn't a failure. It was just we had to learn. Even though in 2009, everybody was saying uh, everybody wants digital, no one wants physical. You know, the world has changed in our fan base that it's like. Yeah, they want they want digital, but they want it in their own way. But more importantly, what they really want is vinyl. They really want the high end, tangible good that they can touch and feel and own. And they want it limited edition and all those other things. And so we've learned that. So that's the challenge that I teach the course is I want everybody to have their own Sloan moment where they understand what their fans want and find the mechanism in which they can learn that from. One thing yeah. I think is interesting with, with yeah. Soundfly is they traditionally have been a free online tool for students, meaning you can go to soundfly.com and you can learn you know, stuff about recording, you can learn about songwriting, you can learn about touring, just great free, free classes. And what they've wanted to do was kind of take it a notch up and really empower these students to, I don't want to say treat it more like a school, but learn that, understand that they can truly learn from it as a true school. So therefore they've launched this thing called Mainstage. And these, these courses, not just mine, are paid courses, but even within that framework, we've structured it so that there's you know 
different options in which you can you can buy so that you can just take the course and you do it on your own and it's a low low buy-in kind of just you you do it at your own course or your own speed through the course or you can have the kind of pro level which is much more like me truly teaching the class and having some other people from Soundfly be more mentors and get true strategy throughout the course if someone wants it. You know, I, I get asked all the time, hey, should I take your course through whichever school I'm teaching? And it's like, well, you know, what's your goal and objectives? It's no different from my consulting meetings with possible clients. What's your objective? What do you want to do? Do you just want knowledge or are you still trying to understand it? Whereas if someone came to me and said, I want to do this, I want to do this, and I want to do this, but I need to understand how to do it. I'd say, yeah, then take that course. Like, this will teach you how to fish. So I would much rather have somebody learn how to fish for themselves than hire me continually and then never learn how to do it for themselves. And I've actually had clients that work, that I've worked myself out of jobs, you know, and that's fine. I mean, like I said, I'd rather empower and teach somebody and have them as a ally or as a former client that speaks highly of my services than somebody that feels like I'm draining their, you know, their budget because I'm always on, on hand or I'm, okay, here's my new invoice. You know, I'd much rather just have a, somebody learn how to do it because I'm just one person. I can't work with everybody. You know, I, I can't take on 25 clients every month. I, I wouldn't be able to execute. And so that's why I love doing these type of courses. I w- love to teach as many people. And look, Andrew, if the, if the world could be you know, twice as full with people like the way that you and I think, I think, you know, it'd be a lot better because then it's just, a, I think the music business can benefit from that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and that's a great and very honest approach. I appreciate it. And uh, you do a massive contribution to the industry in not holding back all this information, but sharing it with the world. The Soundfly guys do a good job at that, so I recommend everyone who is new to the brand to check out their courses as well. They've got a bunch of free ones, just as you mentioned, and uh, yeah, so it's easy to find the information on how to enroll into the crowdfunding for musicians. I highly recommend checking out the link in the show notes for the information on enrollment for those who want to take the, like the whole thing. Do you want to comment on how it looks like a little bit more, or like? how exactly the the mentorship format of the course works? The mentorship is truly just having the, the feedback loop, basically. Like, the way that I would explain it would be the basic is you just pretty much go in and you audit the course. You just go in and, and you read the lesson plan and you watch the videos and you do your work on your own time. Whereas the, the pro level is much more feedback loop oriented where you can then submit questions directly to people. You can have a session to get your, you know, the questions answered. So it feels much more like a you have an instructor or a, or slash a mentor at your disposal that you can count on. Mm-hmm. So it, it really depends on on what level. And, and look, I have been, you know, right out of right out of that job starting Music Geek Services in two thousand and nine. I was so poor. I didn't have any clients to speak of except for one, and and I wasn't wasn't paying my I was paying my mortgage, but I wasn't paying all my other bills. So I understand the fear that comes into somebody having to depart with you know money. But the way I do look at it is, like I said, I really want someone to to come into this ready to learn, and you could learn at that basic level too. But sometimes you don't just want to learn; you want to execute. In order to execute fully, I think you need that mentorship and you need that ability to have a feedback loop. So just some some just an op- options there. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. That's that's and, a good explanation. Yeah, and I would say outside of the the course, you know, if any of your listeners and I've been on previous podcasts too, and I, I say the same thing. It's like I'm pretty accessible. My webpage, musicgeekservices.com. It's pretty basic 
it's hard to define what I do. So because of that, it's pretty basic in its presentation. But my contact information is all there. You can find me on Twitter at MusicGeekJ. I get blind emails all the time from people. And quite honestly, I would much rather make a point to communicate and network than be some person that's, like I said, with either too busy or withholding information. It's like, no, if you, if you have somebody that listens to your podcast and truly the stuff that I speak about resonates with them, you know, I love to talk to people. I love to go to like South by Southwest and other music conferences to, I talk to people all the time. And a lot of it's just empowering to me to meet people of like mind or people that want to learn. And like I said, it's like, gosh, if someone, if I had me to look up to in 2009, I would have loved to, you know, talk to me. <laughs> I would have loved to have the chance to say, hey, what input, you know, what yeah, advice. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's just, I'll be very candid. I'm, I'm very passionate about what I do. And I love being a, a total music geek. And that's why it's called Music Geek Services. And, you know, we are what bands want. We Bands want a, a total fan of their band to love on them and to not overtly buy everything, but just truly be passionately driven to love. Absolutely. You know, connected yeah. to music. And then that's why I do what I do. I adore, like music is who, music is so much a part of who I am and it's part of my soul. And, you know, this, I'm just a consummate music geek. I'm just a nerd for bands and histories of bands and how bands come together. And for that matter, it's evolved into the business. I'm an, a nerd for the music business and the record business and the touring business and how that's evolved and where it's going. And, you know, I love to read the challenges that are in the marketplace because I think as an educator, I need to make sure that I'm telling people what possibly could happen or what's done in the past and how we can change that or you know anything that we can do because at the end of the day I don't want to see the bands that I love cease to exist because they are bad business people and if I can be of any help to help them become better business people or serve their needs to be the business mind then I'll do it I want to see those bands continually create new music and continue to tour as we lament every time one of our favorite bands break up or, or cease to exist you know that just it's sad yeah brilliant Excellent. Uh, and uh, it's uh, great that people can contact you directly. That's hugely appreciated. Feel free to add the link to this podcast in your contact form so people who don't know you can learn more from, <laughs> from this recording. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, well, I mean, it's, I think it's a, good, it's a good note to wrap it all up. And uh, we've got some quite specific call to actions to our listeners. So there is the course on crowdfunding and uh, it's easy to find the links to it in the show notes and of course Music Geek Services and uh, the link is right there in the show notes as well and anyone can just like type it in Google and find it it's quite easy to do and uh, anything else that uh, you would like to mention maybe anything else that's coming up in 2017 that yeah. our listeners may want to look I forward would, to. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I always do, like I spoke about South by Southwest. I'm moderating yet another panel at South by Southwest. Traditionally, I've done, this is my third year doing it, where it's kind of the concept of building a team. So it kind of goes back to your question about, do I work well with others and, and like working alongside other, other people like a marketing team? You know, my goal is always to find the right partner for the artists that I work with. And sometimes it's just me and the band and sometimes it's me and a, an agent and a promoter and a PR person and who insert, you know, whatever, depending on the band's needs. But if anybody's going to be at South by Southwest, I'm excited as always to get down there to Austin and, yeah, and, and, and connect with people and, and moderate that panel with some brilliant minds. So Excellent. Yeah. Unfortunately, I would be going in 2017, but uh, I hope to see you at some other events and maybe South by Southwest, but later. And uh, yeah, to anyone who's going, it's, uh, it's a great invitation to connect with you. Awesome. So uh, looking forward to to new 
educational resources from you and uh, keeping in touch. Thank you for everything that you've shared today. Sure, Andrew. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I do appreciate it. Thank you for listening and thanks to Jay once again. So yeah, if you uh, if you have changed uh, your approach to crowdfunding anyhow, I'd love to hear about that. So please leave a comment on SoundCloud or on iTunes. And uh, you can also email me andrew at wispin.co. Uh, or reply to uh, in newsletters if you are signed up to our email list already. And uh, uh, of course, feel free to uh, get in touch with Jay as well in the show notes at wispin.co forward slash WSR84. You will find the links to uh, his profiles and uh, his Twitter account. So it's all uh, very straightforward and uh, easy to do. And uh, once again, if you want to uh, to enroll in the Soundflight course on crowdfunding for musicians by Coyle, then uh, you can use our coupon code uh, which will give you a 20% discount. It's WISPIN20, all capital letters uh, as, as one word. You can also find it in the show notes. Thank you so much and till next time. You have been listening to the We Spin Recipes podcast. Learn how we can help you improve your music career at wespin12.com.